So there's a woman named Jean Rogers, and Jean Rogers has had incredible difficulty in her life. This is the only picture I could find of her. She actually doesn't seem to really want to be found, and you'll know why in a minute as I tell you a little bit about her story. Um, Jean has been struck by lightning twice. Uh, This is all true as far as I've been able to verify. Um, She was once on a cruise ship, and she was backing up a little too far to get a picture taken, and she fell off the cruise ship and into the ocean, somehow survived, and was brought back. She's been mugged, shot at, strangled, and fell in an open manhole, okay? So difficulties after difficulties after difficulties. And then I found this one last tidbit of information, which just seems so over the top and so strange to me, but as far as I've found, it, it is true. So like I said, her last name is Rogers. So one day, Jean Rogers is sitting at a public pool, okay? So she went to the town pool. She's hanging out, right? And she was told, like, here over the loudspeaker or whatever, somebody called out and said, there's a phone call for Rogers, someone with the last name Rogers. So she went, and I'm, I'm not making this up, she went to the booth to find out what was going on, and she found out that she wasn't the only Rogers there. How many of you guys ever heard of this guy? You guys know who this is? Okay. Mr. Rogers literally was at the same public pool with her, okay? Now somehow, I, again, it doesn't go into information, you know, detail how this happened, but somehow she accidentally, I don't know if she tripped or they just got tangled up or whatever happened, but she was responsible for Mr. Rogers' bathing suit actually falling down in the public <laughs> in the public place there. And there are certain parts of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood that don't belong anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, all right? And so poor Mr. Rogers, and, and, and the report actually says Mr. Rogers was incredibly gracious. He was just very, you know, it's okay, you know, he's nice. But this poor girl, here's what she had to say. She said, I'm not afraid of dying, but living scares the life out of me, okay? Because she's been through so many incredible difficulties. And here we are talking about difficulties. You probably feel better about yourself now, don't you? Right? You're not Gene Rogers, okay? Or Mr. Rogers. That was pretty bad. But here is what we've been saying is that all of us go through difficulties in our lives. We all have times in life where things are really, really hard. Last week, we kind of started things out. We started to say, okay, look, if we're going to look at difficulties, we have to realize something that our anger issues toward God and kind of the attitude we carry toward God sometimes It's really not founded because what we deserve from God is his anger, but he's given us his love and his mercy. We kind of started there, and I hope that helps some of us get over kind of the first hurdle. And tonight I want to take us in a different direction. I want to talk about really one of the things, and there's many things, and we're going to kind of touch on some of them as we go in this series, but but one of the things that God is up to during our difficulties, one of the things that he's preparing to do while we're in the middle of the difficulty, okay? There's all different kinds of difficulties, and we're going to see some of them tonight just uh, in scripture and also in some of the things we talk about. Testing. You guys ever been tested by God? Right? You just go through a time where your patience is tested, your love is tested, your faith in God is tested. God, are you even there? You ever go through a time like that and you question, you go, God, why am I going through this? Why is this difficulty something that I'm having to walk through right now? What's with the testing? Can't we just kind of get to the result? Why do I need the test? Another difficulty a lot of us go through is just straight up good old-fashioned suffering. Just the, the incredible hardship of life. It's, some of us, it's a physical thing. Some of us just lost a job. Some of us didn't get placed where we wanted to get placed for work. Or we didn't get the, you know, the education uh, scholarship. Or they passed over us again for the promotion. Or some of us, recently, it's a breakup. It's, a, it's just tremendous suffering. Others of us, if, if the suffering weren't bad enough, then it turns into feeling like, not only am I suffering, not only going through a time of testing, but, but God seems really far. That's like the worst. That's the worst part of it for me. When I'm going through a difficulty and it feels like, not only why am I going through this, but God, why don't I feel you in the midst of this? Like, where are you right now? Why aren't you 
feeling closer to me. So we go through these different times and we ask the question, why? What is God up to? Why does he let us go through these things? What's he trying to get at? What's going to be an end result here? And like I said, there's several end results, but we're really going to highlight a powerful one tonight. Now, this is really important for us to talk about because we have seen, and you know somebody is like this, and maybe you are somebody like this. We all know people, or maybe some of us in the room are people, who walked away from God because of a time like this in our life. We went through a time of testing and we decided, if this is what it's like to follow Jesus, then I want out. If this is what it's like to be a follower of God, then I'm not sure if I'm in for this because I'm suffering. I'm going through difficulty and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like he's not even close at this time. And so why would I hang in here? What do I, what do I cling to? What do I hold on to? Well, tonight, I hope you'll see what to hold on to. Because I'm kind of tired of, of people that I care for walking away from God because they go through a hard time. You know what else I see a lot of? I see a lot of people who make terrible, destructive decisions when they're in the midst of that difficulty. It's like, A, I'm going to turn my back on God, and B, I'm going to do these several things. I'm going to make these several decisions, and then they have a lifetime of regret. And most of the time, I mean, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of people come back to God. I've seen people who are angry, you know, say, oh, what was I thinking? What did I do? How, how did I ever end up like that? And, and come back to God. But man, there's still consequences from those destructive decisions, decisions that they made during that time when they decided, enough with you, God. And so can we just avoid that? Can we just learn how to hang in there when the difficulties come? And like I said last week, and we'll probably say it every week through the series, we're not trying to make little of your suffering. We're not trying to make little of the testing that you and I go through. It's hard sometimes. We all feel like giving up on God sometimes. We all feel like it's just too much. Like I just can't handle another thing. I can't handle to continue to go through another day where it feels like God's far in the midst of this difficulty. We all go through that. I hope you know that. You're not alone tonight in that. I feel that sometimes. But man, if we could learn what to cling to in the midst of this. And that's really what we're going to tackle tonight and next week. If we could learn what to cling to and what the result could be, I think we would be so much better off. And so I hope tonight as we just look at a few stories, we're going to look at some fellow sufferers. We're going to look at a a few people who had incredible difficulties in the Bible. And and this week and next week, we're just going to hang out in John chapter 6. And we're going to spend some time looking at a few stories and tonight, we're going to look at really two stories and see some people who went through some times of testing and suffering, and it felt like God was far and wasn't intervening in the situation. And we're going to look and see that really God was up to one really big thing. God was up to something very powerful. And what I want you to see, and I'll probably repeat this toward the end of the message, is that these, these two stories we're going to see tonight, if you basically plug every person written about in the Bible, every person who had a relationship with God, if you plug them into the equation we're going to talk about tonight, it's true of them. They went through a terrible time of testing and difficulty and suffering, and then something incredible was the outcome. And the same is true for many of us in the room tonight. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know that's true. If you look back in your past a little bit, you say, okay, I remember when this happened. I remember when you know, he or she broke my heart. I remember when I heard my parents were divorcing. I remember I got fired. I remember, and you see all these different things, and you look back, and you go, wow, okay, times of testing and difficulty. But I think you could say, by the end of this message, wow, I've seen what he just said on the stage was true about the people we're reading about, the people we're talking about tonight. That's true of me, too. God's done that for me, too. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, one of the reasons you might not be is because you have seen that there's testing and there's difficulty and there's suffering and you can't get past that. And so tonight, I just want you to see that maybe God can be good in the midst of it and there's something really powerful to cling to. And so we're gonna look 
at John 6, and we're going to uh, read through a bunch of the verses here together. And I, just to kind of set the stage, Jesus has been going around and healing people and doing incredible miracles, and so there's this huge crowd that's following him. And here we look in John chapter 6, and verse 5, it says this, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So right off the bat, what do we see? We see Jesus testing somebody. We see God. I mean, Jesus was God in the flesh, testing somebody, putting somebody to the test. And here's Philip being asked this question. And you know what? I think this is something you and I trip over. We trip over this fact that God would put any of us to the test. What is he after? What's he trying to accomplish? What is he looking for? And so Jesus he already knows what he's going to do, but he puts Philip to the test. And what I really want you to see is the outcome. We're going to get to in a few minutes. But in verse 7, Philip answered him, It would take more than a half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And so Philip fails the test. Jesus is driving at something. Jesus is driving at something big. He's trying to develop something in Philip's heart. And Philip completely misses it. And then another one of his disciples, Andrew, who's Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small, small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So Philip completely fails the test, and, and Andrew's kind of like, well, there's something here, you know? I mean, maybe Jesus could do something with this, right? And then it goes on to say this. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. They sat down. About 5,000 men were there, and we know, obviously, that means there were women and children, so thousands of people Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciple, disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So here's what I want you to see. You have Philip and Jesus in this conversation. You have Jesus saying, okay, Philip, come on, man. I'm going to put your heart to the test. I'm going to put you to the test. You're right in the middle of this situation. It seems impossible, and, and, and this is where we enter us. Okay, you're right in the middle of the situation. What's impossible for you right now? What are you looking at? What difficulty do you have right now that you're staring at? Just like Philip was looking at maybe 10, 15,000 people going, I don't know how we're going to feed them. You're looking at, I don't know how I'm going to get a job. I don't know when I'm ever going to get married. I don't know how we're ever going to have kids. I don't know how we're going to be able to afford to pay this back. I don't know how we're ever going to get this marriage put back together again. I don't know if I'll ever be healthy. What are you staring at? What difficulty, what testing, what hardship, what thing that God has allowed in your life for a season are you looking at right now? Just like Philip was looking at that. And then what I want you to see is there was a test, and then what do we have? We have God showing himself like never before. See, here's Philip being tested. And Philip could have had an attitude, and sometimes we get the attitude. We talked about that last week a little bit. But but Philip could have had a complete attitude. Andrew could have had a a complete attitude. But but instead, they kind of hung in there. It was a quick thing, I guess. but, But Jesus eventually does something that revealed himself that was so powerful and so big and so over the top that Andrew and Philip would never fail that test again. Or would they? Well, that's a couple chapters later, right? But, but eventually God has to work that in their heart. But for you and I, here we are. We're sitting, looking at something big. And we're being tested. 
and it's hard, and I'm with you guys. I, you know, I, I, I'm totally 100% in the midst of tons of waiting, tons of testing, tons of, is God going to, is he not? W- w- will he come through, will he not? I mean, there's so many different areas of my life I could share with you where it's just, all right, God, here we are, sitting, waiting, testing, hoping. And you know what? And here's what I believe, because I've seen it before in my life, that the day will come where I'll be able to look back on the situations I'm waiting for now that I'm being tested in, and I'll see. He revealed himself like never before. He showed himself like never before. He, he came through, and I had no idea how he was going to do it, and I had no idea what I was going to do, but he did what only he can do. And so I want you to see a pattern here. There was testing, and then there was God showing up like never before. Let's look at a few verses later. In verse 16, Jesus went off to pray, and look at what happens. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake. They got into a boat, and they set off across the lake for Capernaum. But now it was dark, and Jesus had not joined them, and a strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. So here are the disciples crossing the sea. They've just seen this incredible miracle, right? And wow, God showed up like never before. Jesus did something like never before. Their face's probably huge, but then they jump in the boat, and the wind starts blowing, And now they're in this situation where they're suffering and they're alone, right? Some of them are are, are starting to freak out a little bit. Some of them are are wondering, you know, what's going to happen? How are we going to get out of this thing? Um, My family, really, let me say this correctly. My wife's family, um, a few years ago, decided that we were going to go on a cruise. And we were thinking, how awesome, we're going to go on a cruise. This is going to be great. What what an epic idea. So, right, Bermuda or Bahama or Come on Pretty Mama or something. You know, I mean, we'll just keep going with that song. That's an oldie, but a goodie. Um, and so we're, I'm thinking it's going to be great. It's going to be so awesome. And, and so then we find out where we're going. We hear at the big family meeting where we're going. Oh, Canada. Right? And I was like, Canada? Who goes on a cruise to Canada? You know what I mean? Like it was freezing. I don't know if you know this, but cruise ships normally use the ocean water to, to feed the pool. So like you jump in the pool and you're feeling like, oh, I'm out in the Bermuda, beautiful, awesome weather. And it's water. So when there are polar bears frozen in the pools, like you don't want to go in. Okay, it was freezing. We literally couldn't see off the boat for three days because there was extreme fog. And I just remember one night that Kelly and I were literally like praying, like, Jesus, don't let us die on these seas because the boat was like, boom, boom, boom. I mean, just like so scary. Joey and Ricky were there. I'm not lying. I'm not lying, right? And it was just terribly, terribly scary. My wife's side of the family. I just want to make that really clear, right? So, so we went. I love, I love my wife's side of the family. It's going to be a test after the message tonight. Um, but I'll tell you, we're, we were planning. Yeah, easy, easy, easy. Simmer down. Simmer down in the front row there. So, so we were pleading with Jesus. And I can only imagine, I mean, these guys were not in a cruise ship. These guys did not have probably life vests, right? They had no idea what was going to happen. And so the waves are beating and everything is crazy in their lives. And they're praying and they're asking, God, where are you? What's going on? And, and, and you've got suffering and you've got lack of God, seemingly, right? You've got suffering and you've got hardship and you've got difficulty. And you've, it just seems like Jesus is a long ways away. And these guys have to be thinking, where is he? Where is he? I mean, he just did this huge miracle. Did we really just see that huge miracle just so we could die then in the waters? Like, was that it? Was that like the grand finale, and now this, now this was just setting us up to go die? I mean, and here you and I, I mean, those of us know the story. You know, some of us have known this since we were little kids. We know the story, and we're thinking, all right, just chill out. I mean, you know, if you could talk to the disciples, you'd be saying, chill out. Jesus is coming. Just hang in there. These guys had no idea Jesus was coming. These guys are in the middle of what seemed like would be probably the end of them. It says here in the next part, 
when they had rowed for about three or four miles. These guys are rowing for miles and miles. Now, rowing for miles can be fun, you know, if you like that kind of thing, I guess. But here they are in the middle of not just like, they're not going down an Essequag, you know what I mean? Like they're out in the middle of this lake and the winds are blowing and they're thinking that they're going to die. And so for three or four miles, they are struggling and they're fighting for their lives. And what's got to be going through their minds is what goes through your mind and my mind when we're struggling through the waves of life and the wind is blowing and it feels like we don't know how we're going to stay afloat is where is God? I'm suffering. Where is God? What is he driving at? What is he getting at? Why is he allowing this? Then it says, they see Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. Some people look at that and go, why were they frightened? It was Jesus. I would have been screaming like a middle school girl. You know what I mean? Like someone walking on the water, you know, like coming up at the water. And I'm sure one of the guys in the boat said, wait, wait, who, who, who is that? You know, what do we see here? Somebody's walking on the water. They're like, yo, lay off the grape juice, bro. You know, I mean, what, what are you seeing out there? And then they all saw and they're all scared. And then I love this. It says, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And then they were willing to let him on the boat. Can I ask you a question? If someone's walking on water, do you think they have, you have control over whether they got on your boat or not? You know what I mean? I'm thinking they're going to get on if they want to, okay? And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. And so they're freaking out. They're worried. They're scared. They're fearing for their lives. They don't know what God is doing because he just isn't showing up. And to this, I mean, if you're honest, some of us here in the room that may be a little cynical, I'm cynical. I mean, the story seems over the top. I mean, Jesus walking on the water, oh, come on, and all this, these miracles and feeding all these thousands of people and all this stuff. And, and I guess, hey, man, if you can raise back from the dead, you can do some pretty cool other stuff too, okay? So we'll just go with what the Bible has to tell us tonight here. But I understand some skepticism and some doubt. But here these guys are, and they've just seen God do something completely amazing. In fact, look how it says, In Matthew 14, it's the same story, just a little bit of a different uh, way Matthew puts the end. It says, Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So Jesus gets on the boat. They let him on the boat. How nice of them. And then they realize something. You are God. I was suffering. I didn't know where you were. You were far I was praying, you didn't seem to answer. But now, now that I'm on the other side of the suffering, now that I'm on the other side of the doubt, now I'm on the other side of feeling like you had abandoned me, I see that you are God. So what did we see before? Well, we saw Philip was tested, and then God showed up like never before. And now we see all the followers of Jesus, these disciples in the boat, tested, suffering, feeling like God had abandoned them. And then... God shows up like never before. Are you beginning to see a pattern here that, that there's difficulty? And then what? God showing up like never before. And when you put anybody in the Bible who had a relationship with God into that equation, it's true of them. I mean, I could st- literally stand on the stage all night and tell you person after person after person, this is true of in the Bible. Difficulty, suffering, hardship, God showing up like never before. Difficulty, hardship, God revealing himself to be God, to be amazing, to be powerful, to be wonderful. I mean, we could put Job in there from the Old Testament, right? He goes through all this suffering, loses everything. And then what does he say at the end? He says, I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. You take Lazarus, who was sick, and he died, and and all of his 
his, his sisters and his friends. Jesus, if you'd only been here, even the disciples, Jesus said to them, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad I wasn't there. What do you mean you're glad you weren't there? Lazarus died. Yeah, but see, if I had been there and I could have stopped it, you wouldn't see what I'm about to do. And so Jesus lets Lazarus die and lets those that loved him mourn. And he himself mourns and then he goes and shows up like never before. And you just keep plugging in people into that equation and you're gonna find testing and suffering and difficulty and then God showing up like never before. And so what I want you guys really to know tonight is that when we go through difficulties, God, God is about to show himself like never before. God's just getting ready. That's something we can cling to. That's something we can hang on to. And I think those of us who are followers of Jesus and and have had maybe some history in this relationship with God, we can look back and we can realize that is true. And we've seen it in our own lives. We've seen that the difficulties then lead to this amazing thing that God can do. And you know what? I think if you went to Philip and you said, yo, Philip, how did you feel about being tested by Jesus? I think you would have said, I stunk, man. I felt like an idiot. I didn't get it right. I totally missed it. Like, oh, so you didn't, you wish it never happened. He'd be like, oh no. I'm so glad that Jesus tested me that day. Because what it led to was me seeing him show up in my life like never before. Matthew, Matthew, uh, Peter and John and all you other guys, how'd you feel about being on the boat that day? Was that, was that a good time for you? No, that was a terrible time. We were scared to death. We, we, we don't know if we were more scared of the waves or of Jesus walking on the water, but we let him on the boat. And we're so glad that he let us sit out there because then we saw him still the waves. Then we saw him come through and do something only he could do. And I think that as you and I think about our lives and we think about our difficulties and our sufferings, and it's never fun and it's never easy, and we never have the answers in the middle of it. I think if we could look back and see the times God has come through, we'd say, I'm glad I sat there because if I hadn't sat there, I wouldn't have seen him come through like he did. I have a couple of stories for here and now. If you're kind of a skeptic and a doubter like I am, maybe this will help you because everything we've talked about so far is 2,000 years old, right? I'll tell you a couple of stories from here and now. We have a guy in our church. Uh, he's, him and his wife are in our community group, great family. And one day he, he came to the community group and he said, I'm getting a little nervous about my job. I've been this, with this company for a long time, but you know they're talking about cutting thousands of people from the positions and they uh, actually took him out of the office environment. He was, had a nice private office, a nice view in, in Hopog, and they took him out of that environment. They sent him home and just, you know, they were having him do work from home. And then eventually in March of this year, he lost his job. And I just remember him, you know, him and his family and his wife coming to a community group and just being real with us and just saying we're, we're, we're broken and this is hard and, and we can't imagine why God's letting this happen, but we trust him. There was always this trust and, and there were tears and there was hardship, but there was always this trust that God could do something. And, and so we kind of walked with this, this family through this process and just prayed for them. And just, you know, God, would you do something great? And, and you know what? He, over the next several months, set out over 30 applications, didn't, didn't get calls back and wasn't hearing anything back. And, and he'd come back week after week. And this guy's got two ki- had two kids in college at the time. And, and so week after week, all right, bud, you know, anything yet? Do we have anything? I'd text him, I'd email him, anything yet? Do we have any answers? No, no during this time, if that wasn't bad enough, his health started to deteriorate. Suddenly, he, had, he was having a hard time walking. He was having a hard time even sitting at a computer desk for more than 20 minutes, which is what he would do if he went back to work. And, and so he's finding out he's got sciatic nerve in his leg. He's got three herniated discs in his back, and things just keep feeling like it's getting darker. 
and harder and worse. And we're praying with him and we're all hanging there, bro. And we're just asking God to do great things. And, and eventually he says, hey, I, I got a call back. I have a call back from an interview and, and great. And a month goes by, I didn't hear anything. And finally, a second call back. And then finally an offer came. And he was all excited about the offer, but the problem was it was in New York City and the guy literally couldn't imagine getting onto a train or driving in a car for hours with all this incredible pain in his body. And so we're praying for him. God, would you do something great? And so by God's grace, he actually makes the commute for two days. And we're just praying, God, you know, provide, do something. We have no idea. Again, we're, we're sitting in the boat, man. We're, we're looking at 15,000 people who need food and we have no idea how to get it to them. I mean, that's, that's the situation. This guy can't, guy can't function physically, can't get in there and do what he's got to do. Well, the second day that he's in there, Somebody says, hey, how would you like to work out in Hopog? Would that be easier for you? And he says, I would love to work back out in Hopog. That would be great. And so they give him a job back out in Hopog, and he finds out it's actually in the same building that his old company had fired him from. And so he goes back into the building, and they say, hey, why don't you go back out in the office? And he goes right back to his private office with his good view and sits at the same desk that had still some of his personal items in the desk with a better pay, with better promotion and better responsibilities. And over the last several months... His body's been getting better and better and better to the point last time we sat in community group, we said, I'm feeling great. You know what? You talk to Joe, you talk to his wife, Lori, and their awesome family, and you know what they'll say? We knew God was faithful. It was hard. It was difficult. But we're glad we went through it because we got to see God come through on the other side. We got to see him show himself in a new way. We have another couple in the church that a few months ago started sharing that they were pregnant, and they were so excited. It's their second child, and um, they were just ready for, you know, another baby. And one day, my wife got a phone call from the wife, and she said, I just had a horrible doctor's visit. They told me that um, things with the baby are not good. In fact, they, I want to get this right. She was diagnosed with something called cystic hygroma that causes Down syndrome and Turner syndrome. This child, um, there was... This issue with the cystic hygroma, it went all the way from the baby's neck down to the end of the spinal cord that they saw on the sonograms and everything. And um, they had several visits with different doctors, and we were praying, and, and the church was praying, and their friends were praying, just believe in God, do something great in this family. And they're just awesome people who love God. And over time, they had more and more doctor's visits, which were more and more bleak. They were eventually told that if you don't terminate the pregnancy, the baby's going to die anyway. And they said, well, we refuse to do that. We're going to trust God, and we're going to just ask God to do something great. And so they were praying, and eventually they got an appointment to have a sonogram done at a really great place. And, and they went in believing that there would be some kind of change, that this, this baby would in some way be more healthy than it was before, that this issue would be smaller, and that there would be a little bit more hope. And they, they sat there in the sonogram room, and they heard the text say, what did somebody tell you was wrong with this baby? And they said, well, cystic hygroma and this and that and the spinal cord and and the tech looked back and said, this baby is absolutely perfect. Everything is exactly right. And they went over and confirmed the, the pictures and what the old pictures looked like and what, what God had done. And they were sitting there looking at this perfect little child in that womb. And you know what? If you ask this couple, how, what was that time like? They would say that time was miserable. Time was terrible. I mean, I can tell you as a parent, Kelly and I had a time where we... Uh, weren't sure if Cade was going to live or not when he was in the womb. And so we've been through that. And I know, I remember sleepless nights and just clinging to Jesus. But I think that they would tell you we would rather have gone through it to see Jesus do a miracle and to heal someone than to have never gone through it at all. And so 
I don't know where you are tonight in your difficulty. I don't know what your struggle is or your hardship or your suffering or how God's testing you or the, the people you've lost or the job situations or the relationships that have been broken or your health. or I don't know what it is for you, but here's what I do know. I know that when we're going through these difficulties, God is not doing it to hurt us. He's not doing it to harm us. He's not doing it because he's just kind of aloof and doesn't care and he's just too far away and caught up in more important things than to worry about our situations. I know that when he's allowing these things in our lives, he's setting us up to see him come through. He's setting us up to see him come through like never before. And so what are the difficulties you're staring at? What are the things maybe you've been shaking your fist at God about? What are the things you've been angry about? Check your heart. Allow God to search your heart. And then would you, instead of that anger, would you respond with trust? Would you, would you look to him and would you say, God, I trust you. That on the other side of this difficulty, I will have a greater understanding of you. I will see you more clearly. I'll know you better. See, it was worth it for Job. And it was worth it for Lazarus. And it was worth it for Philip. It was worth it, worth it for the followers of Jesus. And it was worth it for Joe and Laura and Adam and Lisa and It'll be worth it for you and I. Because in the midst of those difficulties, God is always setting us up. He's always setting us up and getting us ready to see him like never before. Let's pray. God, we just give you our hearts tonight, Lord. And sometimes we struggle, God. Sometimes life is just so difficult and so hard. And there are all kinds of people hurting here tonight. And we just come to you, God, and ask you to give us what we need to get through it and to cling to this truth, God, that you're getting ready, Lord, in our lives to just show yourself in a new way. You're getting ready, God, to to give us an experience with you that if we could look back in a year or maybe five years or ten years from now, we'd say, God, that was hard. Maybe that was one of the worst times in my life. But God, thank you that I went through it because out of that came me seeing you for who you are. Out of that came me knowing that you are God. If you're a follower of Jesus, I just want you to think about what's raging around you. What, what, kind, of, what kind of boat or storm are you sitting in right now? What kind of test has God put you in? Will you respond with trust? Will you relinquish control? Will you relinquish the anger? And when you respond with trust and when you cling to the fact that he is going to show himself to you, he's going to come through in an awesome way. And I don't know what that way is. And, and often that way is not what we think that way will be. But I can tell you this, that God does come through and he does show us himself. And when we look back, we're grateful he's allowed us to go through it. So would you just bring that before God if you're a follower of Jesus? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know tonight that We don't just sing about Jesus because he feeds thousands of people and can walk on water. We worship Jesus because he died in our place. He got on a cross to take away my sin and your sin and there's no earning that and there's no working that out with him. It's simply his gift to us. And so that's why Jesus matters to us. I mean, it's cool that he can do all that other stuff and he's God and that's great, but, but we are about what Jesus did to purchase us back for himself and make us his own. And that's available to you tonight. If you want to know him, I'd encourage you to pray something like this. Just quietly, Jesus, be my savior. Thank you for taking my place on the cross.
in purchasing my salvation? Would you forgive me for my sin? And would you just let me walk closely with you? Help me to see you for who you are and just know that I'm yours because you've given me life. A couple of years ago, we went on a missions trip after one of the hurricanes and the guy who ran the ministry told us this story about one of the people that had lost their house and she said that as she was getting baptized in the river that flooded her house, she said to the guy, I'm so thankful to God for the storm. And he looked back and said, what are you talking about? Why would you be thankful to God for the storm? You lost your house. You lost everything. And she said, if it wasn't for the storm, I wouldn't be standing in this river right now knowing who Jesus is. God used that difficulty. God used that broken time. God used that hardship to show this young woman who he was. And I believe he can do the same for you, even if you're in the midst of the difficulty. Sometimes we haven't seen the other side yet. Sometimes we haven't seen, you know, Jesus walking on the water yet. But God just reaches right into the middle of our difficulty and he still shows us who he is. And that's the greatest gift he could give us. So let's just stand together. Let's worship God for who he is and let's seek him to continue to carry us through those storms.